0: Well, we are back and so far this year, uncertainty is the word. We are seeing bond yields not coming down. There are question marks about how quickly central banks will cut rates and how quickly inflation will come down. But we can answer one of those today because we're back just in time for Australia's monthly inflation indicator today, albeit for November. And we can talk about those retail sales numbers yesterday as well. It is Wednesday. It's the 10th of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So, uh, let's look at where we were just before Christmas. In the US, the Dow, well, since then we've seen a small correction falling at the start of this month, but still up 0.8% since just before Christmas, whereas a 1% fall remains for the NASDAQ. At home, the ASX 200 doing the opposite of the Dow. It came in on a high at the start of the year, up over 76.32, uh, down almost 1.5% on that now, and that's after a bit of a pickup in the early part of this week. In Europe, the same story, a bit of a pickup for the Eurostoxx 50, as we came into the new year but that didn't last and again down one and a half percent since we last spoke and since Christmas the US dollar is about 0.6 percent higher the Aussie is about one and a half percent lower it's just below 66.9 US cents right now A 0.9 percent drop in the euro it's been a rocky Christmas period for the pound uh, but it's 0.2 percent higher than just before Christmas and bonds 10-year treasuries are back over 4 percent at 4.02 percent this morning that's 12 or 13 basis points higher than they were just before Christmas, Aussie 10-year bond yields dipped down to almost 3.9% between Christmas and New Year, but back up over 4.12% now and oil. Well, just before Christmas, Brent was around 79, it's been down to 76, now it's a bit below 78. So we've seen moves all over the place. Nabs Ray Atrell is here to kick the year off on the morning call. I mean, it's hard to discern any clear direction out of all of that, right? except for perhaps you'd, you'd assume a question mark over the speed of rate cuts, particularly in the US. Uh, I mean, isn't that what those bond yields are telling us, the fact that they are back up again now? It's certainly true to some
1: extent. Good morning, Phil, and uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, yes, I mean, looking at, we've had some quite extreme volatility, um, you know, comparing what we've seen year to date with the, the latter half of December. So let's remember, it was the sort of messaging out of the December 12th, 13th, FOMC meeting in December that really set the hairs running, didn't it, on that big Santa Claus rally and 10-year Treasury yields were trading at, what, 4.2%, I think, pre-Fed and got down to a low as 3.8%. So a big sort of 40 basis point move and as you know, sort of more than half of that has since been retraced and, you know, if I look at Fed policy pricing, um, you know, when we broke up uh, at Christmas time, the market was actually 100% confident. It had a a 25 basis point rate cut at the March meeting. So that's the one after next fully priced um, and if I look at pricing this morning that's down to about sort of 66% so um, and the yeah, total wow. amount of, of, of easing uh, priced in the curve for this year is at least 25 basis points less than it was at the beginning of the year so you know that is certainly sort of part of the story and I think you know just you know whether it's irrational or otherwise I think the exuberance that we saw in the latter half of December has been uh, somewhat unwound that said let's not um, forget it wasn't just the Fed it was also I think just as we were were, um, shutting shop for the year, we had those um, November US PCE inflation numbers that came in at what, 0.06%. And if you look at six month annualized PCE deflator, the Fed's preferred measure, 1.9 1.9 percent so you know i think as we as, again as we signed off for the year we were saying inflation job done weren't we and uh, there's nothing that i've seen yeah. so far this year that challenges that even though of course various fed officials have been out sort of subtly suggesting that uh, the market is still maybe ahead of itself as far as fed pricing is concerned
0: well it's curious isn't it so i mean in support of that as well the ism services number very weak so we're starting to see the economy slowing down but then if you look at the jobs numbers so we had non-farm payrolls on uh, Friday, jobs up to 216,000, quite a bit more than expected. No move up in the unemployment rate. So I mean, the Fed must be looking at both of those numbers and thinking, well, we've got to keep an eye on that.
1: Well, yes and no. If you if you scratch below the surface, that payroll number wasn't uh, nearly as impressive because we had 71,000 of downward revisions to the previous month. So on a trend basis, um, there's certainly been some slowing in the last sort of six months compared to the sort of first half of last year. Um, and then the unemployment rate staying down at 3.7 was very much flattered by a big decline in the uh, we had labour force participation coming down two or three tenths of a percent Um, so we had a big sort of exiting of the labour force if you believe the numbers and those household survey numbers that that produce the unemployment rate are notoriously unreliable on a month to month basis so um, so I think there's a little bit misleading there and uh, if you look at something like the NFIB hiring intentions that we had last Friday um, that uh, fell a couple of points so the anecdotal evidence is that the pace of hiring is certainly slowing um, and um, it was the employment subcomponent of that ISM services that you mentioned that was principally responsible for that uh, weakness that we saw in the overall services index to close yeah, to down the 50.7 50
0: f- 50. to 43.3 that is quite a slide but, uh, for
1: the prices paid absolutely and that um, we had what, an overall two-point drop and if you believe the ISM services headline number the services are set has slowed quite appreciably compared to uh, to last year. So um, so overall, I don't think there's anything here that's going to be alarming in terms of sort of the, the Fed really thinking that, the you know, the market is, is mm. deluding itself, thinking that rates will come down. And, you know, our sense is it's not what's happening in the real economy. It's, you know, if inflation really is pretty close to the 2% target and I and, and sound like a scratch record, but remembering Jay Powell saying that, uh, you know, we're going to be cutting rates before we hit the 2% target then uh, you know we still think that expectations for the Fed starting the easing process if not as early as March then certainly in Q2 are are very much intact So
0: this caution then in the market uh, which is seeing that expectation for the cuts at the next meeting coming down um, is misplaced then it sounds like I mean because we're seeing I mean uh, that ISM services number was was weak but also the NFIB small business survey that you referred to I mean that was a bit higher uh, higher than expected for December but I mean it's still low. I mean, what is it? It's uh, uh, 91.9, something like that. I mean, the uh, the 50-year average is 98, and it's been below that for 24 months in a row. So these are still soft numbers. I mean, we'll it might be a little less soft, but I mean, it's still showing a, an economy that's struggling for growth, isn't it? Well, struggling
1: might be too strong a term. Um, I haven't seen, I know the Atlanta Fed's GDP nowcast, I've been, it hasn't been updated since the payroll numbers, um, unless it has in the last couple of hours. At last count, they were saying GDP growth have a around 2.5% for Q4. Right. So, um, you know, we're down on, down on Q3 at least, but still pretty close to trend. So, you know, it's not obvious that uh, you know the economy is really rolling over. And at, at this stage, you know, the soft landing, soft landing versus no landings getting more airplay than the soft landing versus outright recession as far as how mm-hmm. the economy plays out this year. But as I say, it's really, right. if inflation, you know, is close to 2%, then real interest rates are rising. And that is what the Fed... Uh, will need to counter, which is why, um, you know, the market's still got, what, 125 basis points priced in this year, which we don't disagree with
0: at all. So um, it's just, I think, the market got a little bit ahead of itself in the latter half of December. Right, well, let's look at where they are struggling for growth uh, in Europe and the UK. So uh, there we saw German Industrial Production, uh, a 0.2 percent rise was expected these numbers out overnight instead it fell 0.7 percent these are the numbers for november a lot of that was capital goods as well uh, which are down 0.7 percent uh, on the month so i mean that doesn't foretell uh, or give much confidence does it for growth right now absolutely not so
1: uh, german industrial production in year-on-year terms is now down 4.8 percent so you know the industrial yeah. side of the economy 4.8 percent less than a year ago um, and uh, one of the commentators that, uh, that I read, you know, made the point yesterday that uh, GDP growth in Germany uh, since the onset of the Russia-Ukraine war has fallen in three of the last six quarters. So Effectively, the economy is sort of flat to going backwards. And uh, we always talk about Germany as the, the growth engine of Europe. Well, actually, it's the big dragging anchor on the broader eurozone economy at the moment and there doesn't seem to be any uh, immediate prospects of, of a pickup
0: there. Yeah, and the UK had their retail numbers, not the official numbers but the British Retail Consortium numbers. They had a 1.7% year-on-year growth in December. That's in absolute terms, so allow for inflation and uh, you know the numbers of uh, purchases are well down and that's down from 2.7% growth for the year to November. So uh, I wonder if they're heading into a recession in the UK. It's not looking good. No, it isn't. And uh, I mean, the probably the, the, the best
1: way to look at that is what they call the like-for-like sales. I was just looking last December, so Dece- sorry, lot- December before last, 2022, uh, like-for-like sales were up 6.5% um, year on year. And obviously, there's a big inflation yeah. effect there, as you know, and that's down to what? Just under 2% now. So, um, you know, as you say, in real terms, certainly going backwards. And then those numbers sort of exaggerate a little bit by the fall in inflation that we've seen. But uh, all the evidence there, I let's mean, talk about uh, Australian retail, sales uh, in yes. the next breath, but um, you know, all the indications are that you know retail sales relating to Black Friday um, have been very, very strong. Both a postponement of sales from October and a bring forward of sales from Christmas, effectively. And statisticians um, everywhere are really struggling with the so-called seasonal adjustment of those numbers. But um, but the indications are that uh, certainly in the UK retailers had a pretty torrid time of it uh, in December after. So
0: the question uh, is, are we going to see the same? in australia because we had much higher than expected those numbers that we got yesterday were for november much higher than expected so that presumably means yes a very strong black friday are people bringing their christmas shopping forward and does that mean that december also is going to be pretty bad in australia
1: that's certainly our view anyway so i think yeah so just as a reminder we had uh, nominal sales up two percent on the month in uh in November, um, that was appreciably above the sort of 1.3, 1.4% that was generally expected. It comes comes off a minus 0.4% in October. So certainly the message of uh, of households holding back on purchases ahead of the Black Friday sales was very evident there. And we fully expect that the December numbers will also show that um, a lot of that November spending was a pull forward from, uh, say, spending that otherwise would have taken place in the weeks running up to uh, to, up to Christmas. And um, So in nominal terms, uh, again, it was, uh, I think, unadjusted, something like plus 17% sales on the month, which was a couple of percent higher. But um, again, we're we're pretty convinced that, uh, you know, the consumer's pretty chastened at the moment. And all the anecdotal evidence, at least, from various retailers, and, th- and people like the Australian Retailers Association suggesting that it was actually a it was a pretty poor Christmas and that Boxing Day sales um, was certainly very little mm. for retailers to write home about. Right,
0: now CPI today for Australia, the November number so uh, it'll be down obviously, I mean we know base effects uh, will be a chunk of that but what about beyond those base effects?
1: At, uh, well, at, um, as I say, it's, uh, it's energy prices that'll be the biggest component I think, so year on year and so favourable base effects drive the the headline rates down effectively. So uh, we're looking for the the headline rate to print at 4.5%. Uh, down from 4.9%, at least. Um, if we take out, and one of the big uncertainties is travel prices. So there's usually a seasonal increase in travel prices at this time of the year. Quite how they get that gets picked up in these numbers, which you know does include more sort of service sector inflation news than uh, than the ones that we had for October is, is a big source of uncertainty. But if we take out uh, fuel, fruit and veg, and travel, um, you know our, our best guess is that inflation slowed to something like 4.9. From uh, from five point one percent, I think we will see further signs of uh, continued goods. Uh, Disinflation, um, and that will show up particularly when we get those Q4 uh, CPI numbers, which won't be until the 31st of January. So, um, so I think really we're looking for the evidence on services inflation, in particular. Um, but I think whatever the numbers print, it, it's not necessarily going to be um, a really reliable guide to what the overall Q4 CPI numbers are going to
0: print. So, and so, what about the what about the influence of rents? Because that's going to be less pronounced, isn't it? Because we had uh, we had more in the way of rent assistance. That's right. So that kicked in on 20th of September,
1: record um, and it's going to set up a weaker quarterly average outcome in Q4. And um, Taylor, who's been running the slide rule over that, reckons that it will take at least a tenth of a percent off the, uh, the trimmed mean CPI. So at the moment, you know, we're looking at something like 0.9 for trimmed mean CPI in Q4, which is actually a little bit below the RBA zone forecast. So uh, ostensibly, that might provide a little bit of comfort and militates against the idea of a February uh, RBA rate hike but the question is whether the RBA looks through that and in particular what the sort of underlying message
0: is on, on overall services inflation. Right, so we get uh, something possibly today, I and mean, we're not entirely sure are we, we get the credit and uh, money supply data for China, which obviously will raise the question about uh, if there's uh, less credit being taken out. What's the, what are they going to do about it? Uh, and also uh, average cash earnings for Japan today as well. I mean they've been growing at 1.5% year on year. Last time actually overtime pay actually went down. Most central banks would be envious about that but uh hard for the economy to grow isn't it if people have got less money if they're earning less money mm-hmm.
1: well that's the it's the absolute key isn't it so one and a half percent year on year which was what we were in uh, uh, the month before and expected to be unchanged the the boj clearly wants to see that growing north of two percent and i don't think they're going to get any signal from today that uh, it means that uh, they can seriously contemplate a policy shift as early as the late uh, the late january meeting so that would be important and just on the china numbers there's a lot of speculation um sort of fueled by the uh, the local uh, government-owned press that uh, another cut in reserve requirement ratios is on the cards but uh but I think to the point you're just alluding to you know it, it, it's not so much it's it's not a willingness of banks to supply credit uh, which a cut in the triple R would, would make uh, that much easier it's the demand for credit yeah. which is really the issue and triple uh, R cuts won't do anything there so um, we may well get a further cut in interest rates at some point this year at least and
0: uh, they've got elections in Taiwan coming up we've got US CPI tomorrow but we'll talk about that tomorrow in tomorrow morning's edition so there's a lot on this week isn't there but the coming looking ahead to the weekend uh, the taiwanese elections so uh, i mean it's, it's already got pretty messy the taiwanese are saying there's some election electoral influence from china China's saying they're just saying that to you know to, as part of a dirty tricks tactic to try and win votes so it's it's Ugly already, but is that are the market's going to pay too much attention to that? I think
1: they are. I mean, let's remember we've got what forty percent of the world's population going to the polls this year, and uh, yeah. you know, starting with Taiwan on the weekend and bookended by the, the by the US, obviously at the end of November. But um, you know, certainly, there's been a lot of sort of saber rattling and implied threats coming from uh, coming from Beijing. And if the incumbent uh, DPP, the Democratic Party, whose candidate uh, is, is just ahead in the polls, the last ones of which were January the third, during no polls in the last 10 days of the election campaign are that if they are victorious i'd expect to see a material increase in china taiwan cross straits tensions if on the other hand you know one of the two sort of opposition candidates and the kmt is the as the lead protagonist there were they to get over the line i think you would actually they're far more uh, conciliatory in their views towards um, china not outright reunification as such but uh, uh, i think you would see a significant diffusion of tension so from a risk perspective, I think the, election, the elections there will be a, a
0: major talking point um, when we, you and I are talking on, uh, on Monday morning. Right, yeah, okay. But look, just quickly before we go, I mean, you say that there'll be some sort of market response if there's rising tensions between China and Taiwan. But, you know, look at what's happening in the Middle East. I mean, we've uh, we've got Israel striking a Hamas deputy on Lebanese soil. We've got the Houthi rebels, of course, uh, which are blockading ships, uh, attacks in the, in the Red Sea. Uh, and yet, oil prices, I mean, not as volatile as you might expect that the oil prices are staying down so is that just a lack of demand story that's driving that? Well, certainly, I think it is a demand story.
1: And uh, earlier this week, we did see Saudi Arabia cutting the prices of crude shipments going into Asia. And that's one of the reasons that we saw, um, you know, quite a sell-off in oil earlier in the week. It's, but it's extremely volatile that WTI crude has traded between 69 and $74 so far this year. So it's in, incredibly shop, choppy. But overall, I would say it's the sort of demand characteristics of the of the market with, as yet, no, you know, really significant sort supply disruptions that explains the uh, mm. the relative sogginess in the oil price
0: it's taking longer to get where it wants to go isn't it that's all at this stage good to talk mm-hmm. ray good to have you back on and as you say you're back on monday so i'll talk to you then will do thanks phil so there we are season eight episode one i'm phil dobby for nab i'm back again tomorrow morning happy new year to you we'll see you again bright and early tomorrow morning thanks for listening in